What's up, guys? I'm Sean Lightsout Merriman, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts Podcast. Mate, that's a nice looking cap. Back to back rookie of the weeks, rookie of the month. Uh, I mean, he is, I mean, he is just on fire and he looks every bit better than advertised. Good day, guys, and welcome to episode 47 of the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, John Walls Jr., and today I'm joined by two of my co hosts. First up, we're going to go to the southeast of the UK and Mr. Dan King. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Was? Mate, that's a nice looking cap. And there we go. Here's a man over at the Herbert Hangar, his buddy over his uh, left hand shoulder. How's it going, John? Going well. Going really well. Uh, yes, the uh, Nomeo Grace is always around. He's everywhere and nowhere. Mysterious. Um, but uh, it was great to talk to you again. I mean, that's two days in a row. We, uh, we had a great conversation yesterday with um, the guys from the Raider Tank podcast. Some good inside information. So if you guys are watching live now or listening to the podcast, be sure to uh, go and check out that uh, that special episode. Um we had a lot of fun, got some good information about how kind of Raider fans are feeling. It was a lot more positive than I thought. I don't know about you, Oz, but it was a lot more positivity. Didn't get as uh, testy as I thought, but I think maybe because it's early in the season and we haven't really, it hasn't really gotten to like, you know, um, you know, really throw it. I don't know, throwing down, but it's, uh, it's, it was good. They were a lot more positive about Herbert and some of our weapons than we were about the Raiders, that's for sure. But no, it was it was good. And thank you to uh, Micah and Andy for coming on to the show. So, guys, it's Monday Night Football. It's week four. The Raiders have got off to a good start, 3-0. Chargers are 2-1. We should be at 3-0, but we're not. John, are you going to be at the stadium on, on Monday? Um, I should be. Uh, there's small glitch in my calendar right now but i'm trying to uh <clears throat> clear it up it takes uh on a good day it takes about an hour and 15 to get up to the stadium from my place um however on a monday afternoon i imagine that's going to be closer to two to three hours so i got to figure out a way to get off and work in time and get up there so we will see but the plan is to be there um you know in hopefully a charger friendly environment <clears throat> Yeah, I was looking at the uh, tickets, dreaming of buying tickets for Monday's game. Obviously, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but there's there's a there's a handful of tickets dotted around in each in each sort of uh, area of the stadium. So yeah, hopefully there'll be a decent crowd in there. Um, hopefully, blue and gold, not too much black and silver. But it's going to be an exciting matchup. Dan, come on, over to you. What's your, what's your thoughts? We've not heard your thoughts on Monday night football. Um, what's bugging you? What's getting you excited? The one thing that's bugging me is the time. <laughs> that's always going to be the case with Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football kicking off at half one hour time and going through till about half four. Now, because the baby's teething at the moment, I'll probably be awake. So I'll probably still be able to watch a good chunk of it live. I'll, I'll skip the third quarter. Don't worry. Um, but uh, I'm feeling pretty positive about this game. Um, I just really really want the offense to have a fantastic day against all the former chargers because there's so many of them like that defense is built around former chargers you've got what haywood perryman 
Phylon, Square, Phylon, Perryman, Phylon, yeah. Hayward. Obviously, obviously Gus yeah. Bradley. Yeah, um, I just want to see a good performance against them. I, I, I'm i not too concerned with the Raiders' offense. Like, I know, yes, they're playing really well, and Derek Carr is playing at an MVP level, according to every analyst. Um, but I, I don't know. Well, we mentioned this last night, something that irritates me about the NFL, the talk of the MVP candidate after, you know, two quarters of football. But look, exactly. Carr, is, Carr is playing well. I mean, on the on the time difference, I'm quite lucky. As I'm on vacation next week. Um, my wife, uh, Dawn and I, we're okay. all married on Wednesday. So we've got the week off. So I am going to be, I've promised her that Tuesday I'll be alert and good to go in, into London to do visit a few museums and just, get out and about so uh, I'll be staying up but I feel your pain down because you know and, and there are um, folks from the US living over in in, um, in UK and John may be doing that in the, in the next few years let me tell you John September to December can be rough as a football fan especially with the time difference you know um, so yeah I mean it's uh, it's, it's going to be one of the one of the better uh, Monday night football matchups, in, in my opinion, because there's there's so many there's so many ways this this game can go, and I think if we can get to Derek Carr, and we can get the football, um, we've got a good chance of winning. But as chance, long as we can keep their backup quarterback on the bench, then we'll be okay. I think but I we think, can't let Nate <clears throat> get in the game. And this is it. But they're going to be thinking the same. I mean, John, um, from your perspective, do you? Are you really that worried about the Raiders' three and zero start? Are you really worried about the fact that Derek Carr's thrown over twelve hundred yards through three games? Um, I don't think I am. Um, I think part of the reason is they've actually done a pretty good job keeping him uh, from too much pressure, and Derek Carr is very much so like some of these other quarterbacks in the league, like a Jared Goff and and uh, guys like that, where. You know, when things are on time and on schedule and they can just make their first read and go and they don't have a ton of pressure in their face, uh, they're great. Like Derek Carr, when he's got a clean pocket and, and, and time to operate, he's very, very good at his job. Um, however, when it when things start getting a little dicey in the pocket and he starts getting pressure, that's when he starts getting skittish and that's when he just looks like trash. So I think that... Again, it's a scary proposition because right now the only one who's really looking dangerous on our defensive line is Bosa. But, you know, I think that there's an opportunity to make that better. Um, one is, you know, I know we talk about the their rookie, Alex Leatherwood, having given up quite a bit of pressures already this season. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do we do we put Bosa on that coming across that right side or do we have him coming across uh, the other side? And I, I ask that honestly because I'm like, well, Bosa is good enough to beat anybody one on one. Um, so I would probably rather put him on the side with a better uh, offensive tackle. And then I would put, you know, Nuosu or whoever uh, lining up against Leatherwood. So then we can hopefully get pressure on both sides. Right. I, I think I think that would actually be a better choice than just having Bosa handle Leatherwood, because what do you do? They just send up, you know, a halfback or a tight end or whatever there to help chip Bosa and help out. Um, you know, Leatherwood, and then we're not getting any pressure on the other side because obviously none of our other 
uh, defensive linemen seem to be able to get any pressure on their own. So I don't know. It, it could go either way, but I, I don't think that it's going to be a problem as far as Derek Carr goes in the offense. I am actually worried that I saw Josh Jacobs uh, practicing today. Um, that worries me because Josh Jacobs has always done a pretty good job tearing up our interior defensive line. And given how poorly we've played the run so far, I think a healthy or at least mostly healthy Josh Jacobs out there could be devastation for this defense. So, you know, I, I would, you know, I, I'm much more afraid of Jacobs than I am of, of Carr. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I think I'd yeah, feel least... that way about almost any running back, <laughs> let alone a good running back like Josh Jacobs. <clears throat> I mean, look, we'll, we'll come on to that then, Dan. Run defense is a question for you both. Can we continue to play with two high shells, a light box, and allow teams to run at us, knowing that we can contain the pass? You know, we've we've kind of got away with it um, in, in the first three games of the season, even though we've we've given up nearly 510 yards on the ground. I think it's the highest, but we're still two and one. And sometimes when you look at the box score things get skewed you need to strip that back and actually look at what's happening over 60 minutes I mean John can we continue to do this Staley's not Staley is a very clever um, and Ronaldo Hill's been brought in for a reason but you know is this something we can live with going going down the stretch I mean I honestly don't think that it's something that you can do for a full season you know and and there's a lot of people talking about hey this will be a different defense when Justin Jones is back and healthy and ready to go and maybe I mean, he he looked he's looked good, uh, and he looks like he could be a difference maker up front. Hope hopefully, but we don't know. So I mean, obviously, it's a wait and see scenario to see kind of how it plays out. But at the end of the day, in this league, it's a passing league, and if we can if we can hold down opposing quarterbacks and make them look mortal and, and cause them to make mistakes, and our defense can at least slow the run down a little bit, I think that's fine. Um, especially if our offense starts to you know keeps looking like they looked against Kansas City again, it, that who knows if our red zone offense is really fixed. Uh, everybody has looked good in the red zone against the chiefs. They're 11 of 12 for uh, red zone defense, meaning 11 different times they've allowed a touchdown and only one time of the 12 times that a team's made it down there. Have they not actually allowed a touchdown? So obviously that means they've got a really bad red zone defense. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how our, how our offense operates in the red zone, but if, if the offense can get there and score, on a regular basis when they get to the red zone, I I don't see a way for the Raiders to be able to lean on the run, which is the good news, right? Because if you're putting up 21 points in a, in a half, it kind of makes it hard for the other team to be able to sit back and just run the ball. I mean, unless they're getting like 10, 15 yards a, a run, then yeah, that's fine. But so I, I think that the offense actually plays a part in allowing the defense to be kind of poor at the run deep at the run game because it kind of forces the other team to say hey if we're going to keep up with herbert and allen and williams and eckler you know we're going to have to throw it too so i i think there's kind of a there's kind of a symbiotic relationship between those two yeah and i think this is what makes this matchup so interesting and going back to your point on on alex leatherwood i think that the our coaching staff uh uh sort of treading carefully in, in showing their hand. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nuosa goes up against Leatherwood maybe for the first quarter, just to one, to see how Leatherwood's playing. Two, like you say, to put to put Boza on the on the opposite side of that offensive line and, and add pressure from both sides. And three, maybe if if Nuosa starts getting some traction, starts getting some pressures, some hurries, some hits, maybe a sack, 
going to boost his confidence as well. If it's not going to work, they're going to switch. You know, we've seen this before. This is not new. So that's it's interesting. On the flip side, right tackle for us. Does Max Crosby start opposite um, Storm Norton? Does he start opposite Rashawn Slater? I think it's the same. And I think this is why this matchup is so interesting because it... It mirrors on both sides of football. What, what you know, the, the permutations, the, the, the X's, the O's. Um, I mean, Dan, thoughts on us first of all exploiting Leatherwood, and obviously the Raiders exploiting um, Storm Norton at right tackle. I think we'll definitely see both, um, and both fairly often. Um, I, I think you're right to suggest we'll probably start out with Noosu or someone non-Bosa out there just to test the waters and see how things are because if you can keep one of those guys on Leatherwood rather than Bosa then you obviously free up Bosa to kind of take on the stronger players um, but hey it's it's it is, it is as you say there, there's so much um, similarity there between the two um, that I think it would be foolish of either team to not try and exploit that. But at least we've got Slater on the left. Um, yeah, I mean... Holding things down for us. He's playing lights out, and I know, John, you were a massive advocate of us drafting Slater. It, was either, it, it wasn't going to be Penis Hill. He was obviously going to go higher up the table. And then, you know, people sort of scoffed at the fact that, the fact that Leatherwood went uh, with the Raiders' first pick. I mean, Slater, in your opinion, as he... Has he hit the mark where you expected? Has he overachieved? Has he underachieved? Thoughts? Um, I mean, I think he's probably better than advertised, um, at least quickly. Like, I wasn't sure. You know, offensive tackle is such a tough position to play in the NFL. That transition from college to NFL on offensive tackle, specifically left tackle, but both tackle positions in general, is not easy. And, you know, you always worry when someone's going to make that jump, are they going to be able to do it right away or is it going to take them time to adjust to the to the game? So uh, I think the fact that there was almost, you know, no adjustment period to me that that was surprising. It's kind of like Herbert, right? Like, I'm glad they drafted Herbert. Like, I, I was more of a Tua guy, but I still thought that Herbert was a very good quarterback. And I was like, look, if we can't get Tua, I'm very happy drafting Herbert, right? Like, that was my my motto. But the reason I, I was worried about Herbert, because I thought he would take time to adjust, right? But just like Herbert, Slater has said, no, nah, I don't need an adjustment period. I'm just going <laughs> to ball out from day one. And that's what's happened. It's been a surprise, you know? And someone who else who has probably not been a surprise either, Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. That dude, just... I mean, he is just, he is... I mean, everyone talks about his size, and I was like, no, no. He's one of the top cornerbacks in this draft, and I knew it, and I loved him. And when he he fell without them having to trade up, it felt like just Christmas Day. I was like, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? Is this real life? And and then, then I was worried for <laughs> – by the way, I was worried for a second they weren't going to pick him. And I was like, is this too obvious and the Chargers or Telesco is going to blow this? But he made the right pick. And back-to-back Rookie of the Weeks, Rookie of the Month. Uh, I mean, he is – I mean, he is just – on fire and he looks every bit better than advertised and you know it's just well isn't it look at our two first round picks last year herbert lights out murray struggling um i yep. wrote a piece in charged up bolts.com about murray in the week he's got his youth he's, he's not even 23 yet he's got time on his hands he's playing with a superb um defensive coordinator uh, uh you know a, a brilliant um head coach He's got veterans around him. He can learn, but he's got to keep his head up 
he, he can't allow his his morale and his you know his, his mental state to drop. Where you see on the flip side of that, like you said, Slater, Sante Samuel, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I want to see Sante Samuel uh, play in a sustained role alongside um, Chris Harris. We, we need Chris Harris back for his leadership and the fact that he knows he's been there, he's seen it, he's done it. But I'm sure Harris will be in that locker room talking to Asante, um, talking to him uh, on in, in practice and, and giving him some top tips. Um, and then you've got the other leaders on the field, Derwin James, to bring him on. So I'm really excited about Asante. I'm not particularly worried about Murray. I am disappointed. Linebacker, as we all know, Premier linebackers don't grow on trees. Um, and look, what are your favourite players, John? Drew Tranquil. He's, he's, had, he's had some... Yeah, he had a good game last week. You know, he, he, he played everywhere. Um, I, I will admit when I'm wrong, and Tranquil needs more snaps. He does. Yeah. I didn't think he did, but, you know, because I just, I worry about, you know, just like some of these running backs who get, you know, small small sample sizes look really good, and then once you give them a full workload, um, they're, you know, they're, they start making more errors, and you can just tell that they're just over their head. Uh, I was worried about the same thing with Tranquil, especially with the long layoff, but he's looked really good. I mean, at this point, he is playing better than Murray, in my opinion. I think Murray's still the more explosive, and you know, every a couple times a game, you see Murray explode on and and just take somebody out and pretty much end their life. And you're not going to get that with Tranquil, but you're going to get maximum effort out of Tranquil. And I think he's really smart. And his vision has been just top notch. I mean, that's the problem, I think, with Murray is he's got all the athleticism in the world. He's got all the drive in the world. But I think sometimes he just doesn't see the plays and doesn't see where his assignment's supposed to be. And he gets caught up in the mud, as they say, you know, shooting a gap he shouldn't be. Where Tranquil, I think, you know, he's really good at seeing what's going on and finding the gaps, which is why his his tackles and, and his QB hurries, um, you know, have looked much nicer than um, Murray. So I, I do think I was wrong there right now. I think Mur uh, I think Murray, again, I don't have any fear either. I agree with you. I think the coaches, uh, Staley uh, started off as a linebacker coach in Chicago, and, and he did a great job with that uh, crew. So I have all the faith in the world that Staley can unlock uh, Murray, but I think it's just going to take some more time for him. So yeah. I think until that point, you got to have Tranquil in there because he's more of a stabilizing force in the middle, and that's what we need. We have our playmakers, right? We have Bosa. We have James. Uh, to an extent, we have Adderley, right? We have explosive playmakers in the middle. We have Asante guys... Samuel. Asante Samuel, yes. I I, I I thought that was good without saying he's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but um, we've got the playmakers. So having someone like Tranquil, who's more of a stabilizing force in the middle, I think feels important now versus having another guy who's looking for big plays, which is great. But I just don't think we need the big plays out of Murray. We need someone in the middle who can really hold it down, take the assignment, make the tackle. I think it was you, Dan, or, or Bez may have said you talked about um, Anthony Lynn last season. A lot of the players on the field were lost. As a rookie making that transition from college to the, the, to the NFL, if you're in, if you're dropped in the deep end in chaos, you're trying to make the transition, you're playing on a team that's lost its way. You're going to struggle, and I, I, I personally think, and I'm look, I'm just looking from the outside in. I think Murray is carrying some baggage from last season, and I think we'll see progression. It's going to take time for the, the not only the veterans, but Murray himself and our coaching staff to get that out of him. I just think he, he probably needs a, a lucky sack. You know, when he, he sees an opportunity uh, and, and hits the quarterback, gets a sack or, or makes it um, 
you know, a phenomenal clutch play. He just needs a spark, in my opinion, to get him going and get some confidence. And I think Asante Samuel being the right place at the right time, read the game, two picks in two games, he's got that momentum. And I think that's where, if, if Murray gets a bit of momentum, we can see him develop then and start becoming more of a, an, an impact player at that position. And, and you know, do you, do you agree with that, Dan? I, yeah, I think that's that's a fair a fair thing to say. I think it it definitely appears like he's carrying on some of that um, some of that just headlessness of just being like, I don't really know where I'm meant to be, but I'm going to hit someone if I can. Um, and I do, I do wonder if we're just it's it's maybe also a result of not really having any veteran leadership type players in that linebacker core itself. I mean, yes, Joey's being used more as an outside linebacker this year than an edge, but it's 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 he's still not that group. But I think it's a shame that we never saw um, Kenneth Murray crossover with, say, even Thomas Davis when we had him um, for that yeah. year. That would have been perfect to just have someone like him to just go, this is it. This is what you do. I think he he might need that kind of just guiding force there, and that maybe the the concern has been more from the coaching around the secondary and just preventing the pass. Just given the fact that we were unsure about the health of James, the ability of Adley, the ability of the corners with Hayward going, there was a lot of doubt there that maybe. The focus has been on that, and that's what we're seeing is them all playing at that higher level. That maybe it's now going to be a case of we start working back towards the ball and hopefully see some kind of development here. And that's a great segue to move into the other side of the football because we, we you know, we're we're putting our hat on the fact that Staley will will coach Murray into a better player. Definitely, and one player that's played absolutely lights out for the Chargers this season is Mike Williams playing under a different scheme, under different leadership, different coaching, it proves that it can be done. Because we should have seen this from Mike Williams. John made this point many a time, and he's right. We should have seen this before. Not necessarily in his rookie season, because we've already spoken about the transitions, not always easy. But in years two and three, we should have seen what we're seeing with Mike Williams now. You know, look, Philip Rivers, he wasn't as dynamic as Herbert, but God damn, he was a good quarterback. You know, and he, he could find his receivers. Um, if we can get more out of Williams, John, can we get more? Can the can Lombardi and um, Staley get more out of the likes of Guyton and, and bring Donald Parr and Jr. on it in the same way that we've seen Williams elevate through the first three weeks? So the problem with Guyton is, and it's the same problem we had with him last year, is the dude has really bad hands. And... I mean, he had two big opportunities um, last game. First one, threw his hands, hit him hit him in the face mask. The second one, thank heavens for that pass interference call, because I hit him right in the chest, and he yeah. dropped it again. And it's yeah. not like the pass interference in my – like, I, we pro I don't – you know, it's, it's hard for me to say, was that or was that not pass interference. I think if you letter the law, you look at it, um, especially in all the replays, you can say, oh, yeah, that looks like pass interference. But the pass interference was not the type of pass interference that makes you drop a pass like that. It was, you know, it was a pass interference that was kind of towards his back and whatever. So, yeah, I they mean, were behind him. He was falling backwards at coming into him, and he still yeah. just he should have caught that. There's no reason he shouldn't have caught that, and it's it's disturbing because, you know, he 
Heek is just not reliable. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust him. I mean, the balls on Staley to say, hey, let's uh let's let's put the ball in Guyton's hands. Yes, that surprised everybody because everybody's like, well, why would they throw it to somebody who can't catch? That doesn't make any sense. Might as well throw freaking Pipkins out there on a freaking curl route. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I mean, at the at the very least, you know, there wouldn't be anybody around him because you know, none of the other team is ever around him. Um it's easy right to by sit him. Here, you know, it's easy to sit here and criticize, but as a receiver. There are tools on the practice field that you can use. Get yeah, those balls. Hands. Yeah, get those balls. <laughs> you have one jo- no, no offense, you have one job. It's to catch. Yeah, Everything get- else. Mike Williams can, is a, was great at catching, but he had issues getting better at running routes, and he was also being used poorly, in my opinion. The, the new staff can fix that. They can't fix his hands. They can't cut them off and give him Palmer's but, hands or K.J. Hill's hands. Okay, so that's the do- problem. What he can do, John, he can sit there and repetition, get the ball in that machine, firing missiles out, catch, 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 catch. Yeah, you see the videos of Mike Williams just like, yep. Yeah, and there was there was the videos of Antonio Brown a few seasons ago. It was phenomenal. Exactly, he was catching yeah. balls everywhere. Now, I was listening to Bucky Brooks the other day. I can't remember who he was referring to. I'll have to listen back. He was talking about a player who struggled to make the transition to the NFL. And the player said, look, you know, we, we had limited practice last year. College football has the white spirals on. I can't see the white spiral. And now Bucky Brooks made this very point. I'll give you kind of a pass, but actually there's no excuse for you not getting an NFL football on that practice field and just getting a coach to launch the, the, the ball into the loader. Stand there all day, every day until you're competent. And so in that sense, Guyton doesn't really have an excuse. Okay. Yeah, it's different when you're doing when you're on live snaps. You're in the heat at the moment, but repetition, repetition. You see it with all the top sportsmen in the world, don't you? In their in their disciplines. Um, so, I mean, I think really, John, it's, it's down to the individual. There is it not to actually o- overcome that problem uh, because it's going to be coached like everybody else. Clearly, our coaches have got something about them. Look, there are plenty of receivers who come to this league and have had who have bad first years and they have a lot of drops and it happens. Right. Uh, by the way, the player you're referring to is Jamar chase. Jamar um, the rookie coming in, that was, uh, and obviously he hasn't had a problem catching touchdowns. So he's got what four or five now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, here's the deal. There are plenty of receivers. I'm trying to think there was somebody that it's escaping me who it was, but uh, their first year, I mean, they had real drop. Was it Deandre Hopkins maybe? Um, uh, but elite an elite, elite wide receiver first year in the league just had a ton of drops and everyone was like, is this guy going to be any good? Like he's fast. He runs great routes and he gets open, but he drops a lot of passes. And then that, and then they cleaned it up. Right. Like it, it happens. Okay. It happens, but we're talking, first of all, this is Guyton's now second season with the team, with the team. This is his second season yeah. and he's still having bad drop problems. I just, I don't, I don't know if it's fixable. And what worries me is that, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal to get rid of Tyron Johnson. Right. I, I mean, I, I thought him and Guyton kind of had overlapping skill sets. Uh, Johnson maybe was a little faster. And yeah, I thought Johnson maybe had some slightly better hands, but I thought Guyton was comparable and he did what we needed him to do on special teams. So I thought I don't have a problem with it, but if Guyton is going to be unreliable and they're going to use him uh, as much as they do, then I'm going to have a real problem with the fact that they got rid of Tyron Johnson because Tyron Johnson was a better pure actual pass catcher than Guyton. So 
you know, if Guyton doesn't shape it up, we're gonna have problems. And where's Josh Palmer and all this, right? Like, where is Paul? I mean, I, I know we talked about Palmer being potentially a replacement for Mike Williams because he's got similar skill set as Mike Williams, but why are we not using Josh Palmer more and getting him the ball? Because he's he seems to have very, very reliable hands. I I love the way he catches Definitely. the ball. So I don't I don't know what's going on there either. So it's it's kind of confusing as to what exactly is going on with that wide receiver three position. But I guess it hasn't mattered because you've got Williams and you've got Allen and then you've got Eckler. So between the three yeah. of them, like kind of soak up like 80% of the passes. So that 20%, I guess you can just be like, eh, we'll just see if Guyton catches it this time. <laughs> and Gerard Cook, he's making catches when he's when he's in snaps. So, you know, it is a competitive area of the team on the receiver core. Uh, but again, and Gabe Neighbors, can't forget Gabe Neighbors. Gabe Neighbors, yeah. But the likes Gabe of... Neighbors looks pretty good, actually. Let's yeah. let's not let's. I'm I'm not joking. I like Gabe Neighbors. That, that like, touchdown that was called back was was pretty decent. Yeah, right. I was like, all right, Gabe, come on, get some. But you know, it is I think there's a number of one fullback though. That's for sure. There's probably going to be <laughs> a bit more pressure on the likes of uh, Jalen Guyton and and uh, there better Palmer, be because they're going to get they're going to get limited snaps. But they've got to excel and execute when they get that opportunity, and I think that's where the problem comes. And this goes back to Kenneth Murray. You know, if you're gonna, he had he had reduced snap count on uh, week three. Murray did. So now, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, "I've got to execute." If he's if he's missing tackles, and he's getting rotated, this is where the problems occur. And it's not just in football. We we see this across different sports. So it's down to the mental aptitude. It's down to the psychologists uh, within the building to to fix this. But yeah, look, it's another it's another you know, area of the team that we've I, got to fix. I've got a question on that actually. Yes. If I could put in here for the two of you, and I just I just I don't know. I haven't really thought about this. I don't actually think it's necessarily a good idea. But uh, have we thought about um, testing out? Murray as as an edge rusher. I mean, obviously you saw how Micah Parsons Mar Micah Parsons has been able to kind of make that transition going back and forth between linebacker and kind of edge rusher. Do you think I mean, he's got the speed and the strength and I, I he doesn't really have a lot of great moves, but you've got Bosa there to teach you all everything you need to go. I mean, would that be something we consider if he continues to struggle at linebacker? I've got an answer for that. Dan, I'm going to let you go first and then I'll I'll pitch in after. Okay. I'd love to see it at least as an experiment. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not in a in a in a live game, but if it, it would have been perfect to try in, in preseason, um, but we didn't play the starters in preseason. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe when when we've secured our spot in the playoffs and we still got two games to go, um, test it out, ready for the playoffs. Well, well I, I was going to suggest just just leave it until the Super Bowl. <laughs> but no, spring a trap. Yeah. To, to answer like your point, John. Um, I think you brought the point up last year about Coach Lynn being sort of authoritarian and not really having that two-way conversation with the players as much as Staley does. Now, if, if Staley is doing what we believe he's doing and he's sitting down with the players, that's a conversation that he and Murray can have. And I don't I don't know the answer to this, but it would be foolish if, if any of the 32 NFL teams on practice day are saying, right, I want you to do this and you to do that because we call it cross-pollination when, you, when you're doing different people's jobs, especially in the COVID era, the fact that now you've got another risk to manage. It would make sense to say, look, is anybody out there actually ready to play edge? Murray puts his hands up, right, okay. Have you, done, have you played it before? Yes, no. And go from there. And I think, why not? 
why not? Because we, in my in my opinion, we are light in that area. And if Bozer goes down with an injury, if his ankle gives way, I've got serious concerns about how we pressure the quarterback. So we've got to look for different options. So it, it's plausible that he, he could move into that role. He needs to beef up, obviously. Um, but he's got the speed. He's got the aggression. He just needs the technique, I'm guessing. And he, he needs to understand the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought throw it out there. I don't I don't necessarily see it as being like a priority either. I think I, I agree with Dan, maybe like, hey, maybe we wait till the preseason or we wait till maybe we've clinched something, which I don't know if they're ever gonna actually clinch. I think they'd be wild card type team. So uh I don't, I mean I think if they're clinching that wild card spot, it'll be like week eighteen or whatever. But anyways, but yeah, I mean wait until we clinch to maybe or maybe till there's maybe a softer opponent on the schedule. I mean, we've got someone like the Steelers coming up uh a little bit later, and I think that's gonna be I don't think they're very good. So, you know, I don't know. Just thought I'd throw it out there because it seems like we're just really struggling to get pressure on from the edge. So, big weekend in the AFC. Uh, Denver, Baltimore. The Chiefs playing the Eagles. You could argue that the Chiefs are going to win that one. Denver, it's going to be tough. They've not really played anybody. Baltimore will be looking for the win. We could be sitting top of the division on Monday night. Um, score predictions, guys. Dan? Uh, so, I, I think it, I think yesterday I said 27-20 uh, to the Chargers. I don't think we get away with a, a clean kicking game. Um, but I think um, we, we've done quite well at limiting team scoring. Uh, I mean, we've had what? So far... Um, 16, 20, and 24 scored against us. Now, the Raiders have been scoring, but I think we rein that in a bit, hold them to 20, and still push on with our own scoring that uh, progressed last week. John? So, yesterday when we uh, had a chat with the Raider guys, I did say 34-31. Uh, I did not clarify that score. Um, I actually expect them to score five touchdowns, um, but one of those touchdowns were missing the extra point. So that's where I got to 34 to 31. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just see this as being a high scoring game. I think I just think that's an opportunity for both teams to kind of let it loose. I mean, I said this again with the, the Cowboys game, and obviously that was very wrong. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping this defense uh, can create keep creating turnovers because it seems like for them to kind of hit that metric of, of keeping teams, you know, under a certain score, uh, they've really got to at least get a couple turnovers a game. So right now it's working right now. We're seeing plenty of turnovers and that's also by design, right? You've got the chargers out there practicing, ripping out um, balls uh, in, in drills, trying to force fumbles. You obviously got, you know, that too high shell that is set up to confuse and hide where you're not only what your coverage is and not only what your, um, you know, what your pressure package might look like, but it's also, uh, it's also meant to hide, you know, the extra DB roving around and where is he going to be and where are they going to, what position are they going to be in, which is, I think what's helped kind of lead to some of these turnovers, some of these interceptions where, Hey, you know, I got a little confusion and then I let it go and oops, I shouldn't have let that one go. Right. So I, I do think that the, the turnovers are by design, uh, but whether they can keep that up or not, I think is going to be important. I think if they can, I mean, you know, I think if you get a lead on the Raiders, I think that you can easily 
kind of keep it and run away with it. I don't think they're built to come from behind. They haven't really had to do that much um, early on. So I think if we can put the pressure on early, we can score early, we can get a turnover down early and, and get, get out to a two score or more lead. I think they could put this game to bed pretty quickly. I think there's a real chance they could just lead start to finish and the Raiders just don't have an answer for it because they're not built for the big play. They're not built to score a lot of points. They're built to make to take what's given to them and then hopefully something breaks. So uh, I think the Chargers do have an opportunity to get up big early. So I'm saying 34 to 31, just a hedge, but I could easily see this being a 34 to, to 17 game, like easily. So Mr. Bermudez, our regular host, I think he's 3-0 and with his predictions, which is irritating <laughs> he's predicted 24 21 charges i think that's a bit low for me but bez has been generally right this season so people are maybe going to listen to him so yesterday i said 35 so 38 35 charges i think it's going to be a high scoring game and i've called a few games close this season because i'm still not sure what we've got with the charges they still give us those heart-stopping moments raiders throwing the football around the uh, field like nobody's business. Um, Carr is on for 1,206 yards passing, something ridiculous like that. Receiver core playing lights out. Darren Waller is, is making plays. But so are we. Um, so I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I don't think it's going to be any, any one team taking control. I think we're going to be trading blows. I think it's going to be one of those types of games. The whole of the football community is going to be watching. We never do anything easy. There's going to be penalties. There's going to be something or another. There's going to be some sort of controversy on one side of football or another. Um, and I just think it's going to be a high-scoring, close game. Hopefully, we'll get the 38-35 uh, victory. So, look, let's hope we're not recording this on Tuesday saying, what happened to that? terrible game 9-6 <laughs> but no it's uh, as long as we win 9-6 I don't care <laughs> look we win we win game after game after game we go into the playoffs it's as simple as that it's, that's how football is but this is going to be competitive I think we'll still stand by my 4-2 uh, projection for, for the uh, divisional record um, and I think we get another W take us into week five at three and one. That'll be a nice little way to end, get into uh, October. Any final points, John? Um, you know, I think that's a key to the matchup here is taking away one of their best options. And that's Darren Waller. He's kind of been the security blanket for a car. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Derwin James covering Waller from most of the game, much like he kind of shadowed in a sense, Kelsey a lot. I could see them taking Waller out of the game and forcing uh Carr to make some decisions on, okay, who else can I throw to? Because, you know, they, they don't really have a standout wide receiver. They've just got a bunch of guys who can play. So I think if you take away that number one option Waller and if their run game can't get established, um, I, I think they're going to have a real tough day. So that's going to be a key matchup for me to watch is, who do they who do they sick on Waller and how well can they keep that um, from being the easy outlet for Carr? Because if he doesn't have that, I mean, you're going to see a lot of those short three and out drives because he just doesn't have the guys to throw to. So I think that's what I'm going to watch out for. Uh, I do think it's a Chargers victory. I, I'm really I'm really bullish on this team right now uh, and their chances. And you know what? Would really love to be three and one going into a, a game against Baltimore. So it doesn't feel like we're really behind the bullet uh, against the Ravens. 
Yeah, it's a good, interesting matchup, that one, John. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, Haywood Jr. against uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I wrote about that in, in midweek. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Dan, any final points from yourself? Uh, my, my final thought, I guess, is that um, you mentioned there are other receivers, and I was just having a look. I didn't realise Zay Jones was still in the league. <laughs> um, like that guy came through at the same time as Cooper Cup. They were both in the same All Star game, and both looked great in that. And yeah, Zay Jones apparently has one touchdown this year. Um, I just completely forgot he existed. Um, that that's my my final thought on that is that's who they've got a receiver. Okay, uh, everyone knows Rugs, of course, fast and great player. Um, Willie Sneed and uh, is Renfro. it Renfro? Renfro, yeah. Renfro, and then there's uh, the other rookie, Brian Edwards. Well, Brian Edwards. They're all yeah. they're all playing well at the minute. Yeah, they they all like play the solid, but none of them are you know, like no would any of those. Would any of them be anywhere like challenge for our number two or number one wide receiver spot? No, they'd oh, all no. they'd all be you know our number three wide receivers. So they've got a bunch of basically number three wide receivers, and then they have Darren Waller. So if you can take Darren Waller out, I think it's going to be a real tough time yeah. for them on offense. And it is, it's still too much of a, the, the sample size is too small early on in the season. Um, so we can only go on what we've seen and what we know. But look, it's going to be a massive game on Monday night. I can't wait. Hopefully we've all got a smile on our faces come Tuesday. Um, that's it. Final thoughts? Go around the table, Dan? Nothing Nothing extra here. I'm just, I'm just excited, man. It's a veteran. Great this week. It's a veteran coach versus the rookie coach. Let's hope the rookie coach comes out on top. Enjoy the weekend, guys, and we'll uh, we'll catch up on catch Monday up night. On. Yes. Bolt up. Yeah. Bolt, Bolt up. up.